0: Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch? The show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And we're going to talk about the best Star Wars TV show. Maybe ever. Question mark?
1: That's maybe. Andor.
0: Uh, a show that has finished its first season officially. We're going to be having some non-spoiler conversations, some spoiler conversations. And if you haven't watched it yet, we're going to try our best to convince you to give it a shot. So stick around. Do it. All right, so 12 seasons, uh, Andor, the Star Wars anthology series TV show that has been running on Disney Plus that is about, it's supposed to be about Cassie and Andor, uh, the titular character Rebel Spy that we were first introduced to in the smash hit Rogue One that has become a beloved Star Wars movie. Um, but this show is about a lot more, which is why I love it. Uh, David, mm-hmm. first, I just want to get give me like a a quick like thirty second review of
1: your experience watching the first season of Andor. There isn't much in, in entertainment. There's not much better than just high quality Star Wars, um, visually, um, plot wise, story wise, music wise. When you kind of have an all well rounded Star Wars show. Man, it's just so very satisfying. Um, kind of makes it leaves you craving more. Um, and luckily we're going to get that. Um, so I was very, very satisfied with this. Uh, thankfully, 12 episode. I'm glad it wasn't six episodes. Yeah. Uh, 12 episode series. So very happy. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I genuinely I have a fondness for for Mandalorian and for the Clone Wars. Um, which are two other Star Wars TV shows. I really think this one's better, Um, and let me tell you why. Mm. Let me me just give you some non-spoiler reasons. First of all, this show, as I hinted at in the intro, um, is not about Cassian Andor. It is. It's about how Cassian Andor became um, this rebel spy, this um, not necessarily beloved figure among fans, I would say, but this iconic Character that was only in one film, um, where we see his death. I mean, if you've seen Rogue One, you know how Cassian dies, um, but we don't. We see how he survives in this. But this this show is really about the about the Empire, about fascism, and about how rebellions work. Um, which is why it was so entertaining to me. When we're introduced to the rebellion in A New Hope, it's already there. There's no like founding of it. There's no beginning seeds of the rebellion. It's a fully germinated plant at that point. And it's Luke arrives late. Okay. He, he arrives as they're preparing to like preparing their first big assault, I guess you could say. Andor is about how they get to that point. The show isn't about Cassian doesn't even spend, I would say a majority of the screen time with Cassian. You're jumping around to Mon Mothma in the Senate And Luthan, um, who we learn is a rebel leader uh, in some Mm -hmm. ways. But the rebellion's not even like a thing. It's just like small groups of people rebelling against the empire. But what we get to see is how the empire systematically oppresses people and what people do because of that oppression. Um, Mm -hmm. And one thing I want to ask you, David, this felt like, to me, the most lived-in Star Wars has ever been. And by lived-in, I mean, I felt like specifically Ferrix, the planet where a lot of the show takes place. Had actual people like, you know, like in Tatooine, mm. sometimes you're like, oh, wow, look, the weird aliens that live on Tatooine. Let me see that and stuff. But Ferrix felt like a real place. Like it, it felt mm. it's it feels stupid to say grounded, but it did. How do you feel about that? Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I would. I think just because they like it's not when we, when we were on fairs, it wasn't like we just saw their house. Like they, they showed many different like areas and corners and, and places of, of Fairix And with that, the different people there too. So yeah, I think we got a very just wide variety of what Ferrex looks like and the people, uh, especially with that final episode. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I completely agree.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This show really has, I guess you could say three major set pieces. Um, yeah, in 12 episodes, uh, and all of them are executed in extraordinary ways. They all pay off after hours of, of careful plotting, callbacks. Um, and, and they all kind of happen without traditional Star Wars elements taking place, but still feeling like Star Wars. And what I mean by that is there's no lightsabers in the show. I will spoil Mm. this for you right now. There's no surprise cameo. There's no Jedi showing up at the 11th hour to save everybody. There's no unknown rebel hero that that comes out of the darkness and you realize that it's Princess Leia or it's Han Solo or something. There's not that doesn't happen because this show is about the little people. This show is about everybody else in the rebellion and how they get Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, the little guys. And it's so rewarding. It's so satisfying to see. I I want to get into spoilers, but I don't want to do that yet. David, if you were trying to pitch the show to someone and, and you were trying to convince somebody that has seen Star Wars stuff, but saw Andor doesn't really care about that that much, it's not going to have Jedi in it. It's not. It's not going to be like a lightsaber fight show. How would you mm-hmm. convince them? What would you say to them?
1: Ooh, um, I'm, I mean, as I've talked about with you and on the show, I'm a sucker for just incredible visuals. So I think I would start with that. And like, just most, like 99% of people have seen Star Wars and a good majority love Star Wars. And I would lead with that and just say like, man, this is some of the best Star Wars that's been released. Um, Plus you have just these incredible visuals um, and um, it's just so well done in that area. And it's like a fun adventure. It's like a fun, fun space adventure um, that, you know, what's hard not to like. Um, So that's, and that's honestly how I've kind of explained it to people here, like who haven't seen it and they've asked if they should. And I said, like, this is some of the best Star Wars that's been released recently. And it's just visually stunning. It's fun. It's entertaining um and it's like i've told a couple people like you need to make this a priority because it's it's very very good so my number one pitch
0: um would be this is the best season of television i've seen this year it's Mm. for me it's better than house of the dragon it doesn't have the Mm. same fanfare Uh, i think a lot of that is because it's released at 2 a.m but i think that if this show was released at 9 p.m on sunday nights it would have been appointment viewing for me like House of the Dragon was. Mm. Um, it's not going to have the same cultural impact, but it's that good. Two, it's it's Star Wars, but it's Star Wars that is a spy and political thriller mm. uh, more than it ever has been before. The Empire is not a cartoon villain in this. And by cartoon villain, I mean it's not oversized and, you know, just so obviously monolithically evil in the way that like, it's so obvious from the first episode. Mm -hmm. And it's not stupid. The empire isn't stupid and the people in it aren't stupid. Mm -hmm. Okay. They, they're the way that they act is without compassion, but it's methodical. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's smart. It shows you how they, uh, put people down. It, It specifically, it shows you, how they use hope and they use freedom and they dangle it over people to oppress them further. Uh, They grant them small rights. They allow them small things to let the people have the facade of freedom, have the facade of normal lives while taking that ability away from them. And Mm. finally, this is dark Star Wars, but it's not dark in the stupid and obvious manner and what i mean by that is this is the darkest star wars show and i don't think it's close but it's dark because it's realistic not dark because they just added a bunch of sex and violence in it to spice it up Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not gratuitous in nature but it's dark in that it confronts you with emotions and themes that you probably wouldn't expect from star wars at least not in such a serious tone um, mm-hmm. There is an anarchist manifesto in this that is it revolves. It's essential to the plot. Um, and It's about rebellion. And it is one of the most important things. And it's one of the most moving things that's ever happened in Star Wars. Whenever that is read to you for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's read a subsequent time. And it's, it's those things, those ideas. You know, Star Wars has always been about hope. It's been about fighting back. And there's been dark mm-hmm. moments for sure. But this is shows you what it's like for people to have no hope and to gain it, but the loss that they still suffer, you know, at the end of this show, at the end of this first season, you're not necessarily coming out of it feeling like a winner. You're not feeling mm-hmm. like the good guys did it. It's all done. We're great because it's not. And you know that, and the show knows that and they know that they're building to something. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so yeah, I, I, if you haven't, If you haven't decided, or I know a lot of people gave up after the first or second episode. Push to episode three. I promise. Mm -hmm. Push to episode three and you'll be rewarded. And then keep pushing. Which which is weird that
1: I feel like, I don't know, like, why I don't know why you would give up. You know, like, the first couple, it's like, all right, this is the best television I've ever seen. But, like, it was still good. It was still high quality. And they got to set it up. They got to set something up. You know what I mean? Um, So I still even enjoyed it. It's a it's a show in which past episodes get
0: better. As you watch the next one, Mm. you realize that like the first two episodes are great when you watch the third one and and then you continue like oh, these are fantastic. But they get even better as you keep going. Um, Would you say the final episode is the best? No, no, Um, which isn't a bad thing. Like, I don't want to make that seem like it's it sucks. I think the final episode's great. I think the final episode is among the best. For me, well, according to IMDb, it's the sec- it is the second highest rated episode of the season, the fi- the finale. For me, there's one that's the best and I do you want to just get into spoiler territory now?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's been 10 15 minutes, so yeah, I think we okay. can.
0: Okay, spoiler talk. Let's just do it right now. It's the prison escape. Episode is the best for me. Yeah. Which that um, is the highest rated the episode it's, is that. It's it's it, it's the slow build of that, you know, it's Cassian being put in the prison and you see him like adapting and assimilating to prison life. And you're like, oh, OK, what's going to happen here? I know he's going to get out, but how? And then you slowly see how he does it and you see him continue to grind and work, not just work on his plan himself, but work on the people around him to make it happen. And Andy Circus is in. Um, These episodes kind of getting a little Star Wars redemption almost because Andy Serkis was, of course, uh, the person behind Snoke. Um, And I like I I don't think I've ever felt more sad for a character I've known for such a short time. Mm. Whenever he delivers the line that he can't swim. It's yeah, it's heartbreaking. Because you went That's from not what I was expecting, because you hate the guy. Like when you first are introduced to him, he sucks and you hate mm-hmm. him. You do yeah. not like his character at all. And then you keep going and you're like, OK, this Kino guy is growing on me. And finally, at the end, you're like, he's he's decided. Kino has finally decided to to embrace freedom mm-hmm. and, and to live for for what's right and what's true. And he gets to the end and he's like, I can't swim. And he knew this yeah. the whole time. But, but he, he still just, helped he lead fights that through. rebellion. And it's it's what's also shown in the last episode in, in Bix Road um, is that even if you do rebel, good things don't come to you. Mm. Like these people felt like it was worth it in Bix Road to rebel and to riot against the Empire after Marva's speech. But most of them die, him. right? Yeah. Like it's not it's not always Luthen talks about this, is that it's actually important. Um, when they set up these, these incidents, when, when they are rebelling, they want the empire to come down harder because it's going to make it easier for them to convince the next person that they need to overthrow the empire. Mm. You know, what the empire wants is quiet. What the empire wants is consistency. They don't want to create massacres. They don't want to do this. They will, and they're more than willing to, but they don't want to, because that's going to make it harder for them to control the people. It's easier to control quiet, complacent people, and I think that's what this show handles so well. Is it shows you that first of all, the, rever- the rebels aren't saints, um, hmm. which we we know from past actions, but we haven't seen to this degree. It shows that n- the rebels aren't saints, but it also shows just how truly awful the empire is. Yeah, and not just the like mass genocidal like Emperor, you know, Mm obviously, like the most, I don't know about you, but the most um, devastating and creepy and disgusting scene was the scientist explaining how he tortures people using
1: the enjoying you could tell he was enjoying it.
0: He was sadistically enjoying using the dying screams of other creatures to torture people. Mm -hmm. and see what it did to
1: Bix and even at the end of the episode Bix still hasn't recovered you know right it's awful and there's there's really nothing you can do I'm reminded of a Star Trek quote actually which is it's a famous quote of like you know logic clearly dictates the needs of the many outweighs the needs of the few of like this rebellion of like man a lot are going to die but in the future and for the you know majority of the people it's going to It's going to benefit them, you know, Um, and yeah, we definitely see that. Like you said, of a lot of people are not going to see that, but. Hopefully, I mean, I guess we do kind of see the end, even if we don't agree. It does. It does outweigh, you know, because it helps in the end The 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 good guys win. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dude, I. This I don't know if this is my favorite episode. I think episode six might've been some, one of the most visually stunning episodes of this television, like of all time.
0: It was so beautiful, dude.
1: In, uh, I, it was just incredible. I was expecting something big.
0: Um, and it's a heist. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You, you put a heist in star Wars
1: signing up for that. I, yeah.
0: I am there. I, I'm the first person in line. Okay. Um, but yeah, where, just the visual... What what did they call it? I, I'm struggling to remember specifically. I have so many things bouncing around in my head. They're like... The, the anomaly? The every... Is that what they called it? I um, think so. I think they called it the anomaly. Uh, which is... Yeah. It, or the eye. The eye. That's what they called it. Whenever that's he's right. flying up into the eye... Oh, my gosh. And mm-hmm. also, that's the, that, that, the... You know, I said earlier before that... Andy Circus's death might be the saddest. I don't I don't even know if that's true. Because mm-hmm. Karis dies in that episode. Yeah. Karis is the guy with the manifesto. The 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 moment that I think Andor truly becomes a rebel. Um, he's fine fighting the Empire to make money. And mm-hmm. even afterwards, you see that he's just like running away and isn't really involved in the rebellion. Mm-hmm. But that's what sticks with him. Um, and I also saw that if you look back um, the box that contains the manifesto that Karis has, it is strapped to Diego Luna in Rogue One. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a piece okay. of his costume in Rogue One, which they did not plan that ahead. That's some retcon stuff. But that's one of those details that I don't feel like hinders the show. I feel like it enhances mm. it. I mean, yeah. you and people have already started posting this manifesto. And just inserting like Iran or Russia or insert mm-hmm. whatever dictatorial regime is in charge because it, it applies. It applies to everything. It's universal. It's simplistic, but it's powerful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, my gosh. This show is. So yeah, amazing. I agree.
1: It's, it's, but I just remember seeing a that show. media shower. and I was just like, wow. This is just. It is the thing. So. I uh something else I love, I just love all the different storylines happening right now, like not right now because it's over, but like Cassian and you have Luthen and Mon Maltha, Dedra and Cyril uh how do you how do you, how do you say his name Cyril I think it's Cyril yeah, I don't Cyril okay, I just love like all these different little roads, I guess you could say, and then kind of at the end they all kind of connect, they all cross back at mm-hmm. All they all have their different reasons to be there mm-hmm. um. I just love I love when shows are really good with that of like four quality different plot lines and then mm-hmm. they bring it right back, you know, and, and they connect them all. So I, I, I enjoyed that as well. Um, so. Yeah, uh, we need to talk about Tony Gilroy now,
0: um, who wrote five of the episodes um, and is the showrunner, um, which is kind of he he's the guy that shepherds the project. Um, he helped write Rogue One. Uh, he is also the writer and director of Michael Clayton. Have you seen Michael Clayton, David? Yes, I just watched it. Um, he's fantastic. And he did exactly. He's, he's great. Um, in, in the stuff that I've seen of his, he, he is fantastic at, um, kind of portraying the darkness of, of man without it being comical. um, Mm -hmm. And it's it's something that is not easy to do. It, it's something that can become too obvious um, if you try too hard. But he he does that um, in his later stuff. Now there is the Devil's Advocate is something he wrote, which is comical in nature. But you know the Born trilogy was I think really inspirational for the kind of style that this story undertook. Um, if you think about like Jason Bourne, he's always also the unwilling protagonist in, in most of his, um, adventures. He is fighting to survive, not fighting because he desires to, which is a lot of what Andor, what, a lot of what Cassian does in most of the show. Um, but I think that he, this is really just, this is what happens when you give a smart person a project and allow them to just. Control it, mm-hmm. um, and he didn't write all the episodes, obviously, but, um, it's it, it's something that I hope Star Wars continues to do in the future. They've already done it with john Favreau and Dave Filoni, um, yeah. but I hope they they desire and they explore people more on the Tony Gilroy side, people that aren't traditional comic book people, that aren't necessarily. Um, you know, Star Wars people, but from other aspects, and give them projects like this, and let them shepherd it. Um, because this is exactly what can happen.
1: Yeah, giving them creative control and not, you know, being controlled while trying to write. Like, yeah, I, I and, yeah, I, and giving agree. them time,
0: giving giving them twelve episodes. You know, like you talked about, um, at the top. I think that's so important because. He had time to develop the story. He had time to do slow episodes of the first mm-hmm. two and to put a lot of backstory and to do all the shifting angles that you talked about, not spend a majority of the time with Cassian. Yeah. Um, he had time to do all that because he had 12 episodes to really flesh this out. Whereas one of our complaints specifically with, I think, more Marvel s- stuff rather than Star Wars, but still it's it's partially in Star Wars is that when you cut when you do these 6 and 8 episode seasons of television shows you don't give the story enough time to mature mm-hmm. because they're not writing these as limited series they're they're front loaded with a lot of a, a lot of plot stuff and then they have to try to figure out how everything comes together in the last episode because oh my god we wrote ourselves into a corner and we have to have a big finale mm-hmm. uh, but Andor didn't do that you could tell that it was planned from the beginning This is the exact amount of time. This is the length that it needs to be. And we're going to write this to that length.
1: Yeah, I always feel like six. I mean, just thinking now, I could I could disagree with this statement. I think every six episode like Marvel show I've seen. I could have gotten in a movie, you know? Um, Yeah, but I didn't get this sense. Like, I thought there was just so much and it was 12 episodes and it was the right length. And I didn't think too much for one movie, you know, and I, I. yeah, I really enjoyed this and I enjoyed the length. I think, I don't know, I think we should do away with six episode shows because that is, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think like it's them. what, so
0: I, to compare it to another Star Wars TV show that has come out, um, Book of Boba Fett.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: <sighs> Book of Boba Fett um, was seven episodes and was not really a success. Not near as much as people want it to be. It took a character that was, I think, beloved for. Um, kind of almost because he was the cool guy to glom onto because you didn't get enough of him in the original trilogy and, and try to flesh that out. But Boba Fett had the same problem. The strongest parts of the book of Boba Fett for me were when he was with the Tuskens, the flashback sequences. Those by or far with the best Mandalorian. part of the show. Or when it was just a Mandalorian show. But when it was just a Boba Fett centric show, when they didn't do the cameo thing, which I don't hate all the time, but it's being overused, Mm -hmm. was at its strongest whenever it was Boba Fett with the Tuskens. And we got to understand how he became the person he became. But we had to speed through that so we could get to. The current confrontation and what would set up the big final battle, and we could get to okay. We need Mando to help with this, and mm-hmm. we need Mando back on Tatooine, and we need everybody to have this one long battle. This last episode is just going to be a fight, and, and yeah. it's tough. It's tough to do that. It, it 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 really puts a strain. I think if Boba Fett was twelve episodes, then then maybe it's maybe it's much more successful. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I just don't. I also just don't understand what the rush is. Man, these studios have the money. They have the time. Like, why why are we pushing so much content out? Why are we shortening these episodes? Why are we? It's like, Mm y'all got the time and you have the money. Like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and and they did it well with Andor. Finally, like, not finally, because Mandalorian, they did fine and Clone Wars have been fine. And so it's just like weird how like every once in a while, it's like just a weird mistake. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. I think this also shows the importance of variance in your storytelling. Uh, one of the critiques of Marvel is that a lot of their stuff ends the same way. Uh, you know, the big, the meme of the big Skybeam fight that happens in the third act. Um, and a critique of you could say the Star Wars shows up until this point. It, it, I mean, I guess there's just there's three really, but you could say that they follow a similar path. Um, that. They have our cameo reliant in in a way. They have a couple of action set pieces throughout to keep you occupied, but it's really more, um, packing them in the beginning. And then the end of the show has to be one big final battle to try to kind of wrap everything up quickly. Um, that's what Book of Mm -hmm. Boba Fett did. And they didn't do a lot of variance between it and the Mandalorian, which is why I think it failed. um, Mm -hmm. I think Kenobi's its kind of own separate weird beast. um I think a lot of things went wrong with that, most of them fan expectations in some part, but I think that's why this show was so successful is because I can't now I can't go watch another Star Wars show like this, which sucks, but is also good. you know what I'm saying like yeah, yeah, it's good that this is rare and that this is unique, which is why I think Rogue One is so successful because it's a Star Wars movie and a series of Star Wars movies that all follow the same prototypical path but this one doesn't this one's different Um, yeah that's why that's why it's so i think so beloved that's why episode five is so beloved it switches up the popular narrative where we thought good guys win in the end bad guys don't and then Mm. revenge of the sith does it again where good guys kind of win but there's a pit in your stomach um and and i like what this did and i'm excited for the second season
1: yeah, me too. It's twenty 23? 24.
0: Pro- I think we got to wait two years. Dang. That's that's another problem is. Every show now, everything you like the first season and then you have to wait two years for the second where we're getting to the point where just production times are being elongated. Um, I want to talk about the dragon same way. Yeah. I want to talk about one thing before we before we wrap up. And that is what was your favorite like, classic Star Wars moment? I, we've talked a lot about this show not being like typical Star Wars, which it's not in many ways, but it still has the feel and the love of, of other Star Wars, and it still is Star Wars. I mean, you watch it, and you know you're watching Star Wars. What was your favorite classic Star Wars moment in this?
1: Dude, it's, it's tough not to choose the prison break Cause you get the beginning of this scene episode and everyone's kind of been lulled into what the empire wants and their confidence has been crushed. Um, but then like it takes one little spark of Cassian, right. Trying to convince and with enough confidence and, and, and a good enough plan, like these, you know, lost prisoners um, with no way out, like get, get together and they, they figure it out and they break out. Uh, And it's just cool, so cool to see, like, the night and day of, like, we're never leaving this, like, when they find out, like, we're never leaving this place to Mm -hmm. them, like, just jumping into the water and swimming away. Like, it was just so cool to see, like, one, one man, like, completely switch the confidence of an entire floor of prisoners and then align that, align them to break out. That was just cool to see that um, Mm -hmm. within Mm -hmm. that single episode. That almost felt like a little bit like
0: a new hope to me. Mm. just in in like you're breaking out of this hopeless environment and and you're going to make it out but at what cost who are you going to lose along the way and you're going to lose someone and it's going to be tough I felt the same way Um, I really enjoyed that I think for me I the the moment other than the eye which we've already talked about which I think is one of the five most beautiful like set pieces in Star Wars
1: um,
0: was absolutely stunning visually but I think that When Luthen, this is in the later episodes. When Luthen is being um, reeled in by an imperial tractor beam, ah, and the way that he gets out of it
1: was so sick. I forgot about that.
0: So I didn't even notice this on first watch. I've rewatched this scene like eight times. Like I immediately hopped to YouTube after finishing the episode, and I was like, I gotta watch that again. So Mm. he escapes by. It's so smart. He shoots just debris out at the tractor beam, right? So the tractor beam is already sucking him back to the ship. The tractor beam sucks Mm -hmm. the debris in, explodes the satellite dish. And Mm -hmm. then he just has maybe the coolest ship now in Star Wars. Like, that was so cool. Nothing's going to top the Millennium Falcon, but that was awesome. And he, like, beats these TIE fighters in combat and has the two lasers shoot out. And he does a spinning maneuver to cut the TIE fighters in half. Yeah. I it was so that. cool. That's I was sick. so what? I was so giddy during that scene mm-hmm. that uh, it was just it, I was like a kid again. It was great. Was
1: that episode nine, ten? I think I think ah. it was it was ten. I think it was ten. OK. Wow. That just loads episode ten, though, because not only do they break out, but then you have that. scene. Now, maybe. Be- no, it's eleven. I think it might have been eleven. Frick. OK. Yeah. It's eleven. That's so cool. Yeah, that is, that's, that's a really cool scene. Loki, I kind of want to shout out, um, oh, well, her character. Um, but Denise Go, uh, Dedra Miro, she's really, really good at being evil. Like, she's just so good at her role. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very good at being hateable because, yeah, she's ruthless. Um, but like you mentioned, she's so smart. She's so smart. Uh. Um, but also, yeah, just evil. So shout out to her because. Ooh, one thing
0: that I saw that was really cool, I didn't notice myself, but I saw that there's a lot of uh, now that I think about it. And after this was pointed out to me, there's a lot of mirrors between her story and Cyril's story. Um, Mm. and that she thought she was fighting for justice, quote unquote, and to to save um, the empire. Uh, she overcompensated, over her resources and poured all of her energy into catching Andor. And mm-hmm. and it ends the exact same way it ended for Cyril. Yeah. Getting a lot of people, a lot of her own crew killed and getting beaten up herself mm-hmm. and nearly killed. Um, and I thought that was so interesting that they also put him at the end to follow along in her path. And that, why the, this show is great, and and I can explain it in one way is that her and Cyril didn't kiss. Yeah. I was, I was worried they were they going to yeah. whenever like they did the pull in and he, and he saved her because he's been creepy and like pretty much stalking her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad that they didn't do that. They didn't like fall into the corniness. They were just, it, it was the, it was the perfect way to end it. And I'm I'm, very curious to see what their characters do next they're the most unpredictable
1: yeah do you think I, there's something there or no like on her end it's all on her end if he had his choice he they would oh, be but you know. yeah
0: i i have no idea I, i'm and i i'm very yeah like i'm interested to see how they proceed with both of those characters because now they have like common ground and now she's indebted to him but like, does she go back? Because the, the Empire and the Emperor in particular does not accept failure. And, mm-hmm. and she failed. She failed massively. Um, a lot of deaths, yeah. So I, I, I would, I'm i very curious to see. But that's why I'm so excited for the second season that I'm going to have to wait a year and a half for, um, at oh, least.
1: Final question. In Season 2, will we see any cameos specifically? Like, will we ever see, like, the Emperor because they they mention him quite a bit, like will we see some dip in of like that or another another um person within the empire. I'm gonna that say no I'm gonna
0: say no and probably because I hope not. Mm-hmm. um I you could, could sit. consider Mod is a part of the show, but she's a figure that was in Star Wars before. um I think it's possible we see seereik and Urso Galen Urso from Rogue mm-hmm. One and maybe even Tarkin because the end credit scene shows the death star being built. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I think that that's possible. I don't think we'll see the emperor. And the only reason I don't think we'll see the emperor is I think Gilroy is very conscious of not doing the cameo thing. I I think he, he wants to steer clear of that as much as possible. So I don't think he'll do like the, you know, the, 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 cheap way to do it would be like an isb agent goes in to give the emperor a, a report and like you have the emperor's like throne room music playing in the background and you see yes. the robe and you never you never actually see his face until <laughs> yeah, the end he's too his, old too until the end his face pops up and it's you know it's like he's like yeah you go my boy and you're like okay <laughs> that's like i i think the show is conscious enough Of how that would play, that they're not going to do it, but I don't know. Okay, I don't know for sure.
1: Yeah. Dang. Well, what this this and Mandalorians like some of the best Star Wars that we've seen. And Mandalorian season three comes out February,
0: so we're
1: we're gonna get rewarded again. Happy birthday, David. Let's go. (laughs) Sorry, I. I, the Rogue One trailer just started playing. And I just saw the planet blow up and I kind of got all like emotionally that involved in this movie. Yeah. I got to watch that movie again.
0: Yeah. Rogue One is so good, dude. Yeah, it
1: is. Hey, Star Wars talk. Never get tired of that. Absolutely never get tired of that. Um, it's no Star Trek, but man, it's so good. All right. You know, you're. We you already had this argument yesterday. David knows oh, he's wrong. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey. What you want to watch? We can speak freely without judgment for the most part. Um, so we've been talking about it. You've been listening to it. Episode 57 craziness. That's a lot of episodes talking and or uh, watch it. If you haven't watched it. So, yeah. Uh, Dad that gave up
0: halfway mm. through. Finish the season, you turd.
1: Mm. Word. Talk to y'all later. Bye.